We back, hey, everybody. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to Spoopcast number four. Glad to be here. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome. Today we're dealing with the category four WAP. I hope you guys are prepared. There's Don't sit next to your window. Make sure you have flashlights. Not a flashlight, a flashlight. Sorry. A flashlight? Yeah, flashlight. Let's make sure everybody's prepared for this this WAP. Let's get everyone a minute to get. The, yeah, uh, let's, get, let's get everybody a second to give into the stream. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you guys are just as excited as we are. We got a lot to cover today. It's gonna be a good one. Well, true to the name, we start with the wet ass Texas right now. <laughs> wet ass. The what? Um, yeah, there's a category four hurricane. It's hitting. I think just an hour or two ago, it actually made landfall. And I heard about this like just uh, earlier today. Texas, the unsurvivable storm surge. Yeah, that's that's I what. Was, it's, uh... I was walking past the break room at work, and I saw the Chiron for it. Just unsurvivable storm surge. I'm like, oh shit! Like it, it, it kind of reminded when I saw it. It reminded me of the um, the the fake missiles in Hawaii a, couple, a while back. Oh god. How you just got the alert take cover, like that kind of almost useless feeling. Well, because yeah. it, it, we've had a bunch of tropical storms come up through here. This, I mean, it hasn't been reported on that much, but more than normal, obviously. But this is the first one to actually ramp up to a category four. Um, can we scroll down the article a little bit, Carlos? Have you guys seen like the live Doppler feeds? She looks scary. Uh, Hurricane Laura is expected to make landfall as an extremely dangerous Category 4 storm with, uh, as Ian said, unsurvivable storm surge on Wednesday night or early Thursday, as we know it's Wednesday night as of now, uh, near the Texas-Louisiana border, the National Hurricane Center said. There are possible tornadoes approaching southeastern Louisiana and extreme southwestern Mississippi, the Hurricane Center said in its 8 p.m. CDT update. The storm's maximum sustained winds reached 150 miles per hour, a chilling development according to the Hurricane Center. That's seven miles per hour away from being a Category 5 storm. Fuck. Um, I think all the evidence right now indicates that we're probably going to be looking at a Category 5 storm, said National Weather Service meteorologist Donald Jones. Um, Yeah, we could just leave the article from there, but... Obviously, our thoughts are with all the people in the South. Yeah. We know, obviously, since our infrastructure is straight up crumbling, that it's just going to be another hurricane that you know bodies the the South. Oh yeah, and much like as we're going to talk about natural disasters happening here, like these things have been massively, um, you know, exacerbated by climate change. One hundred percent. Like these hurricanes, the reason why we're getting more is because the temperatures of the water are changing. We're getting them more often. We've had um, bigger ones when we get them. And, you know, they go wait. I think somewhere in that article, it brings up, I think they're saying it might go up to like 50 miles inland. Like severe flooding 50 miles inland. Yeah. That's insane to think. And another thing to keep in mind, this is all happening right after um, the unemployment changes that is taking that money from FEMA, which is yeah. which is like, hur- like hurricane support. So we, we're going to respond even more poorly to like how we normally respond to these hurricanes. Right. 
I hate when people yeah. say that it's not a big deal when it obviously is a big deal. Yeah, um, people that try to like underplay it or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But related, you know, in the same way, and there's not just fires here in uh, California, but across the country. Oh yeah. Let's let's uh let's jump into this uh, Guardian article, and obviously you've been living out the uh, circumstances of this one. Um, anyone want to speak on like their personal uh, week, maybe, with the the fires that have been going on and the horrible just, air quality? Yeah, just waking up with with, with congestion, kind of like you know, waking up like shitting myself, like oh my god, like I might have COVID, but you have to take you, and then you think, yeah. oh, well, there's the fires going on right now. Got smoke, you know, fucking this up whole my heat lungs. wave. So, yeah, it just yeah. adds on to it. It's just more. It's just more and more. Is that like uh, apart from like the very serious issue that is the fires affecting like lots of people directly, indirectly, it's affecting us not only physically with the the congestion and hurting our lungs, but also you know mentally, like kind of like waking up and fearing that you might have the the, the disease of the pandemic that's going on right now. A little little spooky. Yeah, um, jumping into the the Guardian article, the the headline here. Uh, California wildfires, this is, um, I think, Thursday or Friday, Friday, yeah, so obviously this has gotten worse. Uh, California wildfires torch area bigger than Rhode Island as resources stretch thin. Going down in the article, wildfires in California have killed at least six people and forced tens of thousands from their homes. With few signs of reprieve in sight, as firefighting resources strain under the vastness of dozens of infernos raging across the state. More than 771,000 acres have burned so far, an area greater than the state of Rhode Island. Uh, Gavin Newsom said the scope and ferocity of the fires has stretched in the state's capacity to respond in an unprecedented moment in California's history, adding that he anticipated mutual aid support coming from Arizona, Oregon, Washington State, Nevada, and elsewhere. But to, to point out that all those places are also dealing with their own fires right now. Oh, and the Texas is now getting hit with a fucking hurricane. Um, we are struggling, said Newsom. Three major complexes and encompassing dozens of fires chewed through forests, canyons, and rural areas north, east, and south of San Francisco Bay. Fires have scorched iconic redwoods within Big Basin, California's oldest state park. Thousands of acres were ablaze elsewhere across California. Skies remain darkened by smoke on Friday, as we experienced, uh, with tens of, uh, tens of thousands of homes threatened by th- flames that drove through dense and bone-dry trees and brush. Some fires doubled in size within 24 hours, fire officials said. Air quality in California has been among the world's worst, leaving those with respiratory conditions who are already vulnerable to COVID-19, especially vulnerable. The intersecting crises have also strained public health resources with health officials expressing concern over growing evidence that air pollution could exacerbate the symptoms of coronavirus and stoke the spread of disease. So, yeah, I mean, with all this wrapped up in it, we obviously have the pandemic happening still, uh, as Ian pointed out. And, you know, not just the physical effects. Yeah, not just the physical effects, but our resources, too. So now, you know, people are going to the hospital and we're... We don't have all these resources to fight it. We don't have the like, peep, yeah, to peep the like the PPE, etc. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's... I, I know, you know, a friend of ours awesome. was also telling me about, like, how it's affecting his university, Santa Cruz. Really? Um, saying that, like, it's destroying like, all the, tr- the trees all around it and saying, like, the scenery yeah, is well, getting down. down. Big basin up there. Redwoods. Right. And it's just yeah. not... Like, it's just not cool at all. Um, no, I don't know if it's going to reach the university. I don't know if it's going to reach the college, but, I mean, uh, the containment... Uh, I. They predict it won't hit the college, obviously, but uh, let's just hope and pray that it pray that it doesn't, obviously. So, um, anyone a little bit of information for us. No, I think I think we can uh, I think we can move on here. It's still uh, it's partly on topic, but yeah, yeah, we have a we have a video here actually. Um, it's kind of a transition because we want to talk about fires, but we also want to talk about fires and its. Um, and climate change and its effect on our water yeah. also. We have a, a Russian propaganda video, uh, <laughs> RT News. Um, just kidding, they're great. Uh, they're on contact, Chris Hedges. You can play whenever you're ready, Carlos. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to On Contact. Today we discuss the poisoning of our public water supply with author Seth Siegel. Now we talk about climate change a little bit, if we may. There's now kinds of wildfires happening. Right. Imagine a community like Paradise, California, which had plastic PVC pipes. What happened? The heat of the fire melted the pipes. The vinyl chloride and other very bad chemicals leached from the melted pipes into the groundwater. The reason why Paradise really can't be rebuilt isn't just because of the grievous cost and the, and the fires that were there. This is just to, this was the town that was completely destroyed and left. 13 to 14,000 homes were engulfed by fire. The reason that it can't be, it can't be rebuilt really is because they don't have a water supply anymore because the water is now so grievously contaminated. It's like, a, it's like one of these um, uh, Superfund sites now. And until it's cleaned of these many contaminants, the water really is not safe to drink. Contaminants are poisoning our drinking water. Toxic elements are now so routine in the water we drink that the water from our taps is often a threat to public health. Chemicals found in our water have been linked to cancer, heart disease, infertility, birth defects, and lowered IQ. The gutting of the Environmental Protection Agency, the failure by Congress to pass legislation to protect our drinking water, along with the chemical companies and water utilities, are all to blame. There are more than 120,000 chemical compounds, pharmaceutical products, and plastics now in commerce. But the EPA has only designated about 90 of them as serious enough to be regulated. The rest are permitted in our water supply. Joining me in the studio to discuss the crisis with our drinking water is Seth Siegel, the author of Troubled Water. What's wrong with what we drink? So you open the book, Hoosick Falls, uh, is it Hickey, right? Michael Hickey, Michael yes. Michael Hickey, explain. So I wanted to make sure that the reader understood that this was not just Flint, Michigan. Because when you talk about- And water, Flint, you're talking about lead in the pipes, poisoning the water. Lead in the pipes. It's the, it's the most, it's the most, if you know anything about drinking water problems in America, if you know anything at all, your mind goes immediately to Flint, Michigan. And properly so, but, should, but, but let me just interject, which I know from your book, it's hardly Flint 
It's hardly <laughs> Flint. I mean, the, I forget the figure, but the number of uh, cities that are still using lead pipes is quite large. Look, I'm happy to jump to lead and tell you right now, uh, but there are believed to be as many as 10.5 million lead pipes still in use in the United States. And a survey done of New York State schools a year ago says that 80% of them have lead pipes into the New York State schools. So think about that. The very people who should not be getting leaded water are children. But the reason I started with Husik Falls, uh, Chris, is because I deliberately did not want this to be the idea that it's only Flint, Michigan. Right. Because if you know something about troubled water, not the book, but the concept of it, you know, of course, you know Flint. And a lot of people who I talked to while I was writing the book, friends and people I just meet, they'd say, oh, you're writing a book about Flint, you mean? And I said, no, 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 the story is far wider. Yeah. And then when I f happened upon the Hoosick Falls story, which is a town in upstate New York, it's bucolic, it's a few miles from the Vermont border, it couldn't be prettier or nicer, the people couldn't be sweeter. And lo and behold, their water is highly toxic. People in the town were getting kidney cancer and, and testicular cancer and ulcerative colitis. Dogs and cats in the town at the prime of their lives were getting all kinds of illnesses and had to be put down. And, and one fellow in town, this wonderful young man named Michael Hickey, said to himself, something is amiss. Now, Michael's not a scientist. He's just a, he's just a regular guy. And, and so my point was that if it could be happening in Hoosick Falls, it can be and is happening everywhere. Explain what happened. What happened was that uh, Hoosick Falls in the 1950s saw kind of a bonanza with the growth of certain chemical industries, particularly Teflon. And they became a leading center of Teflon manufacture. Now, there are many such places around the country that make Teflon or other chemicals. And over time, the active ingredient called PFOA in Teflon was getting into, this, into the water supply of the town. And so, um, it's, by the way, PFOA is not one of those 90 regulated contaminants uh, by the EPA, which is just another story we should talk about. We can go ahead and pause it there for it, now. It, it, this can um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that video in because it's like, obviously, we're going to bring up a, a Flint article here, and it's it's good to keep in mind that, you know, Flint is not the only place, of course. Mm. Um, you know, and these places like Flint are caused by, you know, malfeasance, just like that telephone company pointed out. And then also the beginning, too. Um, he brings it up later, but, yeah, par Paradise that burned down, you know, last time in these fires we had last season. Um not only did it destroy their whole town, but it melted all their pipes, their PVC pipes, and it made those chemicals leach into the water. Now the, the whole water system there is permanently damaged, or at least for hundreds of years. So, you know, these fires are not, even though now we have seasons of them, their effects are definitely not, you know, seasonal. Yeah, seasonal. Their effects are like, almost, yeah. Um... Do you, do you want to just go right into the, the Flint uh, article? Yeah, I think we can just, just transition right into the Flint article. You want to get that? You wanna, yeah, do you want to read from, from that one, Ian? Yeah. It's pretty much, you can just read from the, pretty much gets it all in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's an article here by uh, Popular Resistance. Uh, as, as the title reads, $600 million settlement in the Flint water case. Um, if money is how government expresses sorrow for its crimes, this is a big apology. Uh, the state of Michigan has reached a settlement agreeing to pay $600 million to the victims of the Flint water crisis. Most of this money will be allocated to children in the city who are exposed to lead-contaminated water in their household pipes. 
the details of the settlement will be officially announced on Friday, but according to EcoWatch, uh, it is expected that tens of thousands of residents, residents will be uh, eligible for uh, compensation, which is subjected but to approval by a federal judge in Michigan. The settlement will be one of the largest in state's history, reports the, the Detroit News. If money is how government expresses sorrow for its crimes, this is a big apology, says Mark Edwards, the Virginia Tech professor and water expert who tested city water at the Flint households and helped expose the lead contamination. Um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Attorney General... Uh, go, let's not forget, you know, so let's tie it into the, the DNC shit. Did, didn't Gretchen Whitmer uh, just speak at the DNC? She sure did. Yeah, so the, uh, the lady, you know... Responsible for both the criminal, yeah, yeah, disgusting with literal blood on their hands. Gotta speak of the DNC and <laughs> sorry, do her, sorry. Do her, do her, no, 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 it's, com- it's completely fine, it's and, it, and it's a great and it's a great point to bring up. Uh, anyway, getting back into it, Governor Gret- uh, Gretchen Whitmer and Attorney General Dana Nessel have been in numerous uh, negotiations over the last eighteen months with lawyers representing thousands of Flint residents. The settlement is intended to resolve all legal actions against the state for its role in a disaster that has made the impoverished, majority black city a nationwide symbol of governmental mismanagement, says AP. The city of Flint had switched water sources back in 2014 from the city of Detroit to the Flint River to save money, but the state save environmental money. regulators had warned the city not to apply corrosion controls to the water, which was which, which contaminated with lead. At the time, residents began to complain about the uh, discolored and foul-smelling water. Soon after that, residents reported skin rashes, but their concerns were ignored. Uh, local pediatrician Mana Hanna Atisha, Atisha uh, warned that the abnormally high lead levels were appearing in children. Lead poisoning can, be, can severely harm brain development, reported the Washington Post. And in the final paragraph here, or sentence, uh, while, Flint residents, or while Flint residents' water now comes from Lake Huron, Many still continue to use bottled water. Researchers have assured residents there's no longer lead in many homes, but pipe repairs still remain unfinished, leaving residents skeptical to trust their water supply again. And rightfully so. Uh, if, yeah, if, this entire, if this entire Flint crisis happened, I'd probably never drink water from Flint ever fucking again. You never drink water again? Yeah, yeah fuck that. Like, yeah, yeah. like uh, that's just one of like, the greatest examples of the government flopping so hard, uh, especially Obama. The... Uh, the government yeah, flopping so hard that it it leaves serious a seriously poor taste in the mouth of the people that live there. And like, why are you gonna why are you gonna trust any government when they've all treated oh, you? Like, oh, literally, poor taste in their mouths. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Um. Do you guys want to go to the the current, rightfully so, national outrage? Yes. One million um, percent. Maybe. Yeah. You wanna. Should we watch this little video here and then? Yeah, so we have this quick, we have this quick uh, video by Al Jazeera. It's like two minutes long, and it just talks about the recent shooting. Um, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, yeah, sure Jake, yeah. Jacob Blake was was uh, shot. I believe he's. Uh, I I haven't uh, seen anything today, but I believe he still is alive, but paralyzed. I believe from the waist yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah, but he's still in critical condition, as we know, or as far as we know, and it's still possible that he does pass away. Um, and then, as we all know, the developments that followed that, the uh, the white supremacists, you know, seventeen year old coming in and shooting protesters. Yeah, gun gun toting fucking fascist piece of shit. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, really, really quick before you start. The, uh, by the police. Yeah, really, before you start this video, it's really important. Um, when you have uh, throughout the entire uh, the entire media this uh, this villain this vilification and constant um, this constant um, like blaming of, of Black Lives Matter and calling them this terrorist organization and funded by fucking George Soros or whatever and. Uh, making it seem, making it seem like literally some kind of enemy here to uh, just burn down the United States. Of course, you're gonna have impressionable fucking children, uh, probably already guided by some kind of uh, far right figures, uh, listening to uh, people who do the work of fascists such as Ben Shapiro, etc. Um, yeah, of course, you're gonna have fucking people like this. When you when you vilify a movement that is based on wanting to give people fucking rights and and look at the serious serious issue that um could happen to literally any of us it's 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 disgusting and then it leads to nothing like this and this is a perfect example of when when it goes too far when uh when the vilification goes too far so yeah if we just want to get into the video really quick go ahead Warning if you haven't seen this. The irony <laughs> is lost on me that is Jacob Blake was actually trying to de-escalate a situation in his community, but the responding officer didn't feel the need to do the same. And now we all know Jacob Blake's name. You saw Jacob Blake and I was talking to his father, his namesake, Jacob Blake Sr. And as hard as it was for him to think about his son being shot seven times point blank range while the officer was holding on to his t-shirt, the hardest thing he was dealing with is that his three grandsons was in the car yeah. as his father attempted to get into the vehicle. Yeah, if your three kids are in the car, I mean, and they did it's definitely the worst part. Them. Now, can you imagine what kind of psychological problems these babies are going to have for the rest of their lives? Yeah, I'm sure they'll trust police. Yeah. somebody in the back at an arm's length for no crime at all. Um, we want them for it. We can leave the video there for now. Yeah, um, I, I have a couple things to say really quick. Yeah, um, go, go ahead. Very first, very, 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 very first thing. Uh, it's very popular in, uh, in conservative circles right now to uh, immediately hop on his rap sheet about... Um, about uh, his pending cases and really quickly regardless of any past crimes you have committed this should never be a death sentence 
just no, because yeah. just because you may or may not have gone to jail on a pending case when no charges have actually been laid on you that is not a death sentence secondly there's a second pov camera that uh, shows before that thing before he walks to his door his his car door um they show the cops tackling him, trying to detain him, beating on him. And he gets up, walks slowly, casually, walks away from the police and tries to go to his driver door. And uh, a, a huge cope that I hear currently is uh, he was going for a gun. What if he had a gun? Well, we don't know what he had in his car. If he did have a gun, why would he walk casually around the other side of the car instead of opening the passenger side door, which he was already at? Uh, it makes no sense, so fuck that. Um, also, um, what I wanted to say really quick, um, this is completely you know, disgusting, obviously, another great example of how shitty our police are, but also um, how quickly people are to victim blame and uh, take, people's, take people's past, which the police had absolutely zero idea who this guy was when they got the call. They got a call to break up a domestic disturbance, which he was already de-escalating, and I believe he was getting into like a fight with one of the guys that he was trying to break up the fight for. But uh, the police, under no circumstance, would ever, ever know, just by looking at him, that, uh, that, he, is, that he has some kind of pending case going on. Uh, they're not going to run some random car in the vicinity's plates to know, oh, this is his car. Oh, look, he has these pending cases, which is... Oh, that doesn't show up when you when you run somebody's plate. All it shows is um, active warrants for arrest. So there's just this huge cope and uh, obvious victim blaming from people uh, who I consider jokes, like fucking uh, what's his name, Stephen Crowder. Fucking um, what's that? Uh, what's that yeah. girl's name? Girl? Fucking Candace, Candace Owens. Um, like you just have these huge copes from people who. Um, well, they're not they exactly weren't. people, but... No, they're fucking monsters. <laughs> but you just have these huge cubs coming out to, to try to push this fucking, uh, like, this 1350 narrative that... Um, and also just, like, just to further criminalize people who may or may not have uh, turned their life around. And, um, and just go back to George Floyd, like, he had, um, he had like, a, like, an armed robbery charge that he served his sentence and then came back and it was... Served his time. Know, a, yeah, served his time and he, and he was reformed. Uh, but also with this this case specifically, um, he uh, he was he very frequent to frequently uh, volunteered at a, I believe like a like a like a like a senior citizens home, and like he was like very fondly remembered by the senior citizens that he took care of. They said he was always in high spirits and he made them laugh all the time. And uh, this like this man from his community, regardless of uh, past past crimes that. Still were, uh, still were going to court for it to see if he actually, you know, was going to get charged with them. Uh, he was like, uh, he was appreciated and loved by members of the community, and that was taken away from him by cops who we don't even know if are, are from that local area because there's no, there's uh, little to no local policing. You'll, you can get hired in one county and then be transported to another county, and you, you know, you're not, so you're not serving your, you're not serving your people. You're, you're, uh, you're serving. Uh, the capital owners and you're protecting their property and that uh, that, that was kind of like a like a big tangent i had to go on really quick because uh, i've seen i've seen that literally everywhere people are already trying to jump the gun and say he was this this like this violent person because they're all racist they all they all just they all want to try to say the n-word without saying the n-word they'll do anything they can to feed these stereotypes uh, just so you know you know what they're saying but they're not actually saying it 
and yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. Does anybody else has uh, anything to add? Yeah, they they can you know acknowledge the argument of like there's something wrong with the police, so they they immediately have to blame it on the individual. Like there's obviously something yeah. they did wrong. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm really quick to touch on what I just even said. Though, with the, even though the cops are the professionals, remember? Yeah, yeah, we're we're just yeah. average citizens. Two things yeah, about the like police. We don't know what we're talking about. Um, first. Um, it is in police training, as we saw in the video, uh, where uh, who those who have seen it, he unloads seven bullets like in very quick succession. It is literally in police training, uh, not to take a couple of calculated shots. It's in the U.S. police training is to empty your mag as fast as possible into the subject. Empty your mag. That's how that's how they train them. Empty your mag. Uh, shoot. Ask questions later. Uh, secondly, um, to touch on the local policing thing I just said. Uh, it's also a popular a popular take uh, that if we give the police more funding, we'll somehow get local police or more like more police from like uh, local areas as if like we haven't already been giving more police funding for decades and that just still hasn't happened. So like this this fake yeah, argument more money the police is uh, obviously they, not the answer. Yeah, and in, instead of instead of uh, doing this like local policing shit, we've just been militarizing our police. We've been buying fucking tanks, buying like yeah. body yeah, body armor. Yeah, we can't give them. We we should be taking so much away. Yeah, yeah uh, that's just what the money goes to. You know, yeah, it just goes to the you know big production, the big uh, producers. And you know, it's what, that, yes, that's what the yeah, that's what the police exactly. do. So they're gonna spend the money on. And so if we had like, yeah, does anybody have more points to harp on, or do we? No, but we we can't touch on the the NBA thing though. Yeah, Since that just happened, and hopefully yeah. it continues to happen. Very, very, I, I very much. Uh, um, first, it was the Bucks that decided to not play, and I, um, I think it was the Thunder, and then the Blazers and Lakers too, didn't they? Yeah, they might have. I think they were the last team. Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, little Stephen A. Smith action. But um, really quick, to to take it big, uh, before we get back into this, uh, Jakin's gonna harp on some some stuff on this. But really quick, um, any sort of protest of labor is gonna be very effective. Uh, Not uh, not, like basketball players. Yeah, uh, protesting. uh, fiscally, by like not like boycotting businesses and not supporting them is is oh, it's sure. good and it's effective. But um, the best way to boycott, in my opinion, is is through labor, withholding your labor. Because right. when when the labor stops, everything stops. If you if you can if you can stop the production of a business, they'll listen to you. Because without you, they they are nothing. Without you working, back. without without you, they make no money. And they will listen to you, and if and if they don't, their business will fail. I think that's something important to keep in mind uh, for everybody watching. Um, always know, regardless of what job you do, how alienated you feel from your job, how much it feels like you're just another cog uh, in this in this turning wheat in this like, in this turning machine. Remember, uh, your labor is important. Your fellow coworkers' labor is important, and if you guys. If you guys unify together, you can make change even just at your own local level and could inspire uh, people all around the country. Uh, it's, very, it's, very, it's, very, it's very important to, um, to respect yourself regardless of what job you do. If you're a dishwasher, I, you know, I feel you. If you're a line cook, 
if you fucking if you literally just pick up poop at like fucking zoo or something you are important you're more important than you think especially the poop people yeah are you kidding me no i'm not big enough poop uh, i mean and yeah our farm workers obviously like i think the most important uh yeah. especially from where we're from but yeah remember power is in labor and labor is power Never forget that. And then, uh, Jake, and I believe you were saying something. Well, h- historically, in the NBA, that hasn't been, you know, what players thought as far as their labor. You know, players kind of were at the will of what team they played for, what organization they were in, how they were traded. And really, I mean, obviously, you know, this whole thing happened with the, the team's boycotting. Um, happened on the anniversary, the four-year anniversary of Kaepernick sitting for the first time the uh, national anthem. So that's very yeah. important, too. Um, but there's also other player movements, too, like in like recent years, like you saw LeBron James famously both, you know, leave Cleveland, and then after Cleveland sucked again, he left and came to the Lakers. Or like Kevin Durant, you know, he's like, fuck OKC, I'm going to go to... So you've seen this move where players actually realize that Oh, people come to watch me. It's it's not the teams that make things. They don't care the about owners. the coach. They don't care about the fucking managers or the owners. Owners, yeah, the owners of the of the NBA or the t- individual teams. Like it's the yeah. players that make the shit run. And they need yeah, and the faster uh, all the players, not just not just the the big household names, but the as soon as everybody Yeah, realizes, all the players. But it, it was the the marquee players that realized that first because no, yeah, they're it, obviously the ones that get the most draw. Yeah, I mean, it's important. And they opened up that pre- player freedom, you know. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to decide where I get traded. And the NBA was real. Other sports, too, were real resistant to that because they don't want, you know, players being empowered. No, because... Because so, shit like this happens. Exactly. Now they'll well, actually just, all stand together and be like, uh, yeah. Cancel an entire shit. game during playoffs. Yeah. yeah. When, when, when they make the most money. Not just playoffs, but we're in a pandemic and, like, people universally appreciate basketball being on right now because there's fucking nothing to do. You're just stuck, yeah. Every, yeah, yeah everybody was forcing the players to, like, like do their thing. Like, not just basketball, but, like, even the, the NFL. Like, I remember, like, we were, like, they, they were kneeling and, like, they didn't want to play their games. Um, yeah, they were, there was no consideration. Yeah, at all. No, they just, and they and just benched them. Like, or... just, like, the... The people who were like, I guess, in charge were like, they wanted to force them to play. They yeah, they, if, you did, if you if you didn't play, you were benched, you were suspended, right. you were fired. Well, and these owners, yeah. Sorry, I mean, huh? tell these tell these owners, you know, who want their players to play. Well, they go pick up the basketball, go get out exactly. on the court, and they're not the ones people are watching. Yeah, exactly. and see how many people are going to watch their games against the other coaches. Or the exactly. other managers, I mean. We're going to see Steve Ballmer play fucking Mark Cuban. <laughs> that would be our NBA owners lineup. Fucking Adam Cuban. Silver at the three-point. like, Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and just and since we're still talking about it. But it's good it, to see. I hope they keep striking. Cause yes. They should, they should do that. 100%. Up until this point, it's been, you know... It's been the DNC, and as we've seen the RNC playbook, like they've had these jerseys that say enough on a, or vote or, you know, any number of endless platitudes. Yeah. I think it was Fred Van Vliet from Toronto, the Raptors. He was like, there's a point where, yeah, this, the players are realizing, you know, these apolitical players are like, this doesn't mean anything. 
you know all this fuck all these platitudes are just nothing it means nothing the only thing that means anything is if we stop playing so hopefully that continues on and they keep doing that yeah it's like and uh, just to touch on it since we're still talking about labor really quick um it's very important uh to uh, to take away from what these players are doing um when you see them coming together and collectively striking and and showing their owners uh, that they will not play until uh, until this very important issue is addressed, and you can take that you can take that smaller into your own into your own place of work. If there's something that you don't like and your coworkers don't like, uh, collectivize, talk about it, go on strike, um, get this sorted out. If you're not being paid enough. It's the only thing we have left. Exactly. When they take it all away from us, we still have our labor power. And we still, uh, we have the most valuable form of, of capital, which is labor. They, like, uh, the, C- the CEOs can't make their companies run. Uh, we, we do. We, we make them run. We make their money. And they steal it from us. And it's important to take it back uh, in every aspect we can. Even if not in direct monetary wages, um, vacations, PTO, uh, benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, union, unions, unions are very important. Always fight for unions. I, I know it's a very popular thing in retail. Um, in your training videos, actually, uh, they teach you that unions are bad. Unions, yeah. Uh, like when I uh, when I worked at a uh, a, de- a department store, um, it literally like one of the first training videos I got was uh, you don't want unions. Unions take your money and they don't help you. Union bosses are evil, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, yeah, it's it's very important. Uh, don't don't believe the lies you're fed about unions. Propaganda. Um, having having a, a couple cases of um, union bosses misusing power, racist union bosses uh, shouldn't be the determining factor. Usually, for, and usually that's the uh, you know. Then they're usually getting money. Yeah, that's uh, an example. Union just being another different you know hierarchy of the same problem. There's one person with all the power and all the democratic say, and everyone else doesn't get to do shit. Yep. Yeah, just uh, just extending democracy to every, to everywhere is. Uh, You're is right. Our, with our with the striking and with the protests, like the last things we really have is our ability to stop, you know, use our labor power and our physical bodies. That's all we have left. Yep. And we have to we have to realize how important this labor is. Um, yeah. Plus the uh, thing of the power of a picket line, you know. Yes. Oh yeah. When all the workers of a store, you know, band together and you know, show, you know, don't go in there. Yeah, exactly. You know, they are, anyone, they, everyone knows, you know, if you cross that line, you're scum. Yeah. 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 Oh, I cross that line. Yeah, yeah. I need to go get my fucking. I need to go get my fucking. Uh, I crossed three picket lines today. I need to go get my Sports Weekly and my Budweiser. You're not stopping me, Lib. Yeah, you're a beta. I get it. I get my Sports Weekly and Budweiser fucking delivered. So, <laughs> do we want to bring up the the cops IQ thing in the break? Yeah. So uh, we have one more article here, really quick, before we get into our first break. You want to actually read from it, Carlos? Since you, um, I think you were the one that brought this up yeah, the last I mean, podcast, and you had and you had sent it. So. Yeah, I got lucky and I managed to find it again. I, I had told this because yeah. my my parents had watched. And I I told them about this and they're like, "Oh, where where'd you hear that?" I didn't. And I had told them like, "Oh no, there was an actual like court case where the court of appeals like upheld it." 
and uh, this is it. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a, a real thing. Way back. Yeah, this yeah. is from uh, September eighth, two thousand. So back when we were all in diapers. Bush time, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. So the, here's the title: Court OKs barring high IQs for cops. It was out of a uh, New London. A man whose bid to become a police officer was rejected after he scored too high on an intelligence test has lost an appeal in his federal lawsuit against the city. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York upheld the lower court's decision that the city did not discriminate against Robert Jordan because the same standards were applied to everyone who took the test. This kind of puts in an official face on discrimination in America against people of a certain class. Jordan yeah, not said, dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan said today from his Waterford home, I maintain you have no, have no more control over your basic intelligence than your eye color or your gender or anything else. It's given down. Jordan, a 49-year-old college graduate, took the exam in 1996 and scored 33 points, an equivalent to an IQ of 125. But New London police interviewed only candidates who scored 20 <laughs> through 27 on the theory that those who scored too high could get bored with police work and leave soon after undergoing costly training. I'm yeah. sure that was the number one uh, fear they had of people that yeah. were too educated. Oh, a good concern. Because I definitely get too bored. I would get too bored, but yeah, I'd be like, "Oh man, this is really boring." You know, I'm not beating up any black people. I'm yeah, assaulting it. black people gets boring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but definitely that's that's Cap saying that's the number one. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, okay. Yeah, so let's just finish it up here. Uh, Jordan alleged his rejection from the police force was discrimination. He sued the city, saying his civil rights were violated because he was denied equal protection under the law. But the U.S. District Court found that New London had, quote, shown a rational basis for the policy, end quote. In a ruling dated August 23rd, the Second, court, the second Circuit agreed. The court said that the, pol- that the policy might be unwise, but was a rational way to reduce job turnover. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, here, and it says, hold on, no, it does have a happy ending. It says, Jordan has worked as a prison guard since he took the test. (laughs) Woo! You're a little smarter? You ever tortured somebody? Yeah. (laughs) So they made sure he's not going to be, you know, out and about patrolling the city. Right. He's going to be stuck in a prison abusing abusing, uh, prisoners. And if you think about it, you know, this is all the way back, what, pretty much 20 years ago? Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, the Three practice days. had obviously, you know, been going on before, and just how much has it expanded since? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and what, obviously, what you know, ways? this is just, you know, what they can say on the record, you know, clearly, you know, they choose whoever they want to be cops. <laughs> right. But, you know, this is just something they can officially say. Right, they were legally allowed to get away with this one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great, great bringing that one up though. Because like when I was bringing that one up, everyone was like, "What? That can't be real. That can't be true." Like, how do you know? Like, yeah, like literally, the U.S. Court of Appeals was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, this is fine. This is totally cool. Makes sense." 
Oh, he's too smart. My, he might get bored. Definitely. This sounds legit. Oh, showing a rational basis for the policy. <laughs> you know, something like being it's a police officer, just, you know, public service. <laughs> it just got yeah. kicked underneath the rug. It's kind of strange. Yep. Yeah, but it's something we've known because it just seems so ridiculous that you you would assume it's not true, but Yeah. Sure is. I think we we uh assume if it's ridiculous it must be true. Especially <laughs> in America. Yeah, makes the most of it. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know, think about it on the opposite spectrum. They say they say here, you know, that if you basically have an IQ of like 104 or lower, they they don't even bother with you. I right. mean, that's also you know extremely biased and discriminatory as well. You know, yeah. just because you, you're not like a super intelligent person doesn't mean you know you can't do good work to serve your community. Right. I mean, <laughs> they need you smart enough to use a gun. But dumb enough and take, to and take orders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and take orders. Dumb enough. Make to sure you're not gonna shoot your fellow officer. Yeah. Only the not, innocent. Not most of the time. Yeah, not until you shoot an innocent person first. Then you could shoot your Oh yeah. Um take what you see on your screen very lightly. Uh this is almost instantly almost incidentally thrown away because of uh, not only who posted it, but because of how insane the allegations were. And uh, also, uh, the uh, person who made the allegations came out saying that they were forced to. Right. So, really quick, let me just burp really quick. <laughs> okay. Trigger, war- trigger warning? Yeah. Um, yes, actually, very important. Trigger warning uh, for those who are uncomfortable with the topic of rape. Um I'm at the regardless, regardless of that this story is fake, um, those who are uncomfortable with the topic might want to mute for, I'd say, five minutes, uh, five to ten minutes. Um, so, as you can see on your screen, uh, this was by BBC, actually. They, uh, they ran with this completely unfounded story. So, um, very quickly, I'll just, I'll just skim through really quick. Um, a... Uh, a, uh, I believe, Spanish political party uh, uh, who has stake in a uh, in a news in a news service in uh, in Spain, uh, uh, okay, Dario, I believe, so, something like that. Let me find it really quick. Yeah, okay, okay, uh, Diario. Um, they are uh, they were very they, like for a long time now they've been exposed for just being like straight up fascist, like literally like. Like fascist, fascist, not like liberals calling somebody Your fascist. Hot Hitler fascist. Yes, and so they um they have a long history. Really quick before we get into the story, I want you to go into the uh, the Twitter thread that I linked, and we're gonna watch that very short video where she basically gives you a rundown of who um who were who were who were talking about uh who put out the story, who was responsible for it. So scroll down a little bit, and you'll see a video in that Twitter thread. Yeah, right there. That video right there. Let's just go ahead and get that playing really quick. Spain has an increasingly powerful neo-fascist movement, and they're working with Latin America's elites to launch massive campaigns of disinformation in our continent. In Bolivia, a fascist internet troll named Alejandro Entrambasaguas has been flown in from Spain to mm-hmm. propaganda for the dictatorship in Bolivia. He's become the means through which they flew from, from 1970. Fake news and disinformation. <laughs> He works for an outlet called OK Diario, 
whose senior figures include Christina Sigi, one of the co-founders of Vox, an extremist mm. party whose candidates include Holocaust nice. deniers yep. and Franco supporters. And Fernando Saguas has given airtime legitimate fascist regime outlets and, I love Franco. and has used his platform to spread fake news. He accused indigenous leader Leandro Loza of wanting to replace Jesus with Evo Morales at religious <laughs> events. It's been proven fake Doesn't yet sound so bad. attracted. Yep. He also accused mass lawmaker Sonia Brito of having offshore accounts in Panama after finding an account in the name of someone with the same surname. Again, it was proven to be a complete invention. And again, there was no retraction. Vox are intervening in our continent. I found a foreign account with the word Reyes. Yeah. The regime, <laughs> as well as in Venezuela, <laughs> where they're organizing with failed coup leader Juan Guaido. Beautiful. They're intervening here because they believe in reconstructing the Spanish Empire. Their leaders don't refer to Latin America. They describe the continent as Hispano America, a label that no one here recognizes because we don't belong to Spain. It's no surprise that Entramas Aguas is working on behalf of the Añez dictatorship. It's the dream of a Spanish colonialist to see indigenous resistance massacred as they were in Sacaba and in Sencata. Okay, so uh, that was just a quick brief uh, history on who the people are that put out this story. And uh, it's very, very important to realize that um, all of this, uh, all of this is connected as they just talked about Juan Guaido and all that. Um, these people, um, they are legitimate fascists with the sole purpose of recreating the Spanish Empire. They wanted, they want to clean up all the indigenous people, get them the fuck out of there, and create us a, a uh, Hispania ethnostate. And um, here, like in the, if you want to bring back up the article really quick, just to just have it on screen, um, um, it is very very important to uh to look at where we get uh, where we get this stuff from um so or where to, like where we get like these sources from we can't take everything we see especially especially like especially talking about evil morales because evil morales is uh not only was he cooed but the the people in power now are like christian fascists like uh who want to wipe out the indigenous population and so when you hear anything come from the the yeah. the, the, uh, the Bolivian government, uh, not only take it with a grain of salt, but dig very deep on where they're finding this. Um, I recently, uh, I just or in like some cases not not very deep at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I uh, there was this uh, there was this Ana's fucking supporter in my mentions the other day, uh, trying to uh, trying to trying to disprove that the story was fake by sending a. Uh, the same recycled um, fake screenshots, fake photos, um, and like uh, like very misleading photos to try to like legitimize this 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 falsehood. And um, yeah, you just have these just you just have these fascist sympathizers on the internet uh, trying to trying to smear the the rightful leader of Bolivia, uh, a socialist, of course. Um, and it's just yeah, uh, it's it's less about the story because the story was very rapidly debunked. Not a lot of people are talking about it because of how quickly it was debunked. But it's very very important um, to to uh, to uh, like keep in mind that the uh, the Anes government is going to do everything that they can to uh, to smear 
Morales out of existence. They're going to do everything they can to maintain power in Bolivia and do everything they can to uh, keep courting the support of other fascists uh, all across the world, specifically in Spain and the United States. They're going to do what they can to uh, push and promote their, their fascist movement to other countries in the, in the region um, with, you know, U.S.-backed help, yeah. of course. And, uh, yeah, that's just, like, super quick wanted to touch on this. It's uh, very widely accepted as it's been debunked. It's fake. Uh, but it's important also uh, because BBC, like, a very popular and, uh, I don't want to say well-respected, but a very popular uh, news, news, news company put out a completely unfounded story, did no, did no research on it, this is true, or not just was like, oh, yeah, uh, I don't fucking really like socialism or brown people, so he raped somebody, I guess. And then, uh, yeah. And then also the person who, who uh, was forced to tell this lie came out and said that uh, she feared for her family's life if she didn't go along with this story. Uh, she, feared for her own per- she feared for her own personal safety if she didn't go along with this story. Um, and they, uh, they tortured her. Please, um, look into this yourself if you don't believe me, etc. Or also just uh, to learn more about it. Because I'm, I'm not touching on everything. I'm really, I just kind of wanted to, to briefly bring this up. And then... Um, yeah, and it's obviously a feign to delegitimize Oh, yeah. Because there's been these huge, as we point, have covered, there's been these huge, you know, popular protests happening, uh, especially about the delayed elections because of COVID. Um, and yeah, now now that there's, you know, maybe Evo comes back or something, they're like, all right, smear time. I mean, not only that, it, uh, it doesn't only um, try, the, like, the main purpose isn't only to try and hurt uh, Morales no, itself. No. Not, it goes well, anything that emerges as a figurehead for the protests. Not only, uh, yeah, and then everything connected to Morales and his ideas. They're trying to also smear yeah. that, like, oh, if this, if this fucking, this guy who we've accused of rape wants to uh wants to like give like the indigenous people health care and and uh create like a better a create 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 a better democracy for everybody we don't want that like uh why Is would you rapist? want yeah why would you want something that this 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 uh, this rapist wants yeah so yeah uh it's just uh always always take what the honest government says with a grain of salt if you ever get into um what's going on currently in bolivia Please, uh, that's like one of the biggest thing I can tell you. And so we, if we want to transition into the uh, Trudeau story, you want to go ahead and take that? Yeah, let's get Canadian. Um, <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite, you know, everyone's favorite blackface guy, uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, let's see from the headline, Justin Trudeau just shut down Canada's parliament to escape a scandal. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his Liberal Party once vowed never to shut down the House of Commons for political reasons, as Trudeau's conservative predecessor did. Uh, This week, as a major scandal continues to engulf his government, Trudeau did exactly that. Uh, Though it's largely been forgotten, Canada's 2008-2009 constitutional crisis persists as one of its formative political moments. A fall election had yielded a minority parliament but the governing conservatives led by Stephen Harper seemed to take no notice. Newly re-elected but lacked, lacking a majority, the government made a brazen right, brazen right turn, seeking to end public financing for political parties, something I wish we had, 
uh, ban strikes in the public se sector, gut federal pay equity, and sell off public assets. Uh, a coalition partnership negotiated between the centrist liberals and the social democratic New Democratic Party, the NDP, was on the cusp of ousting Harper from power, but a short visit to Canada's unelected head of state enabled him to shut down or prorogue Parliament altogether, avoiding the necessary vote of no confidence that would have toppled his government. Uh, just over a year later, Harper prorogued Parliament again, this time to avoid scrutiny of Canada's alleged complicity in the torture of Afghan prisoners. Beautiful. The raw political cynicism of the move was obvious to all, but the most obsequious partisans. In addition to ending debates in the House of Commons, prorogation would also shut down a parliamentary committee investigating the torture issue, giving the conservatives breathing room to reorient their messaging and allow the scandal's visibility to wane. Uh, thanks to Harper's infamously autocratic style, hitherto obscure concerns like parliamentary procedure and the electoral system briefly became major political issues in Canada. And by the 2015 Fed election, every opposition party was promising big democratic reforms. Uh, this included the Trudeau liberals, who even added a section to their 2015 platform, specifically concerned with prorogation. Uh, Stephen Harper has used prorogation to avoid difficult political circumstances. It read, we will not. Uh, earlier this week, the Liberals added to a lengthy list of broken promises by proroguing Parliament themselves. Uh, the context in this case being an ever-deepening conflict of interest scandal that this week claimed Trudeau's Minister of Finance. Uh, despite official spin to the contrary, it's a paint-by-numbers redux of the old conservative formula. By shutting down Parliament, the Liberals get to kill a committee investigation into the fraught student grant program that has become the flashpoint for a major national scandal and rebrand with a new political narrative in the fall. Essentially what they, uh, going off from the article, essentially what they've done is, you know, um, scam, the finance minister has scammed the, uh, their political grant system. And they've, you know, stolen, you know, a bunch of money. And now they're, you know, trying to get a committee to investigate it and go through the right channels. And they're, Trudeau, the, lib, the libs, the libs, like, nah, we're going to do exactly what we promised not to do, just like, you know, the conservative government before us. And whenever we have, you know, something we don't, some committee that tries to investigate us, we're going to go, nah, 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 we can't, we can't have that. Nope. We're going to grandstand. I made this promise, and this is the promise I'm going to keep. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, so I brought this one up because we got to keep on international stuff, of course, but also Trudeau. Way too idolized. Guy's a fucking sucker. Sell out, bitch. Yeah. He very routinely. Uh, right by us. Trump back on his word. Yeah, and tries to act like he's like, oh, he's the guy that makes fun of Trump because he's better than Trump. But in reality, he just sucks Trump's nuts and does whatever he wants. So. Yeah, of course. Trudeau, really if very, very bad. So. No, go ahead. Really, bro. if we were being honest, like. Pretty much, you know, ever since like the 40s and 50s, like the bare minimum for a president should have been FDR. Yeah. Like that, that should have just been the model going forward. Like if you can't at least have that as your base platform, like what are you doing? And now yeah. just just look where we're at. You're, you're an unserious person. Exactly. Yeah. We've gone decades with these with these full politicians who really only want uh, 
to enrich themselves and their friends. And our our country's breaking down. And we have we have we have no form of of help. We have, uh, yeah. we have nobody. We have nobody looking out for us with any serious political power. Which is how uh, Belarus feels. Let's uh, yeah. let's bring up that little video of recent, you know, massive protests there. Uh, the numbers are only increasing in Belarus. Uh, we talked about this in the last show. Yeah, this is an older, and this is an older video itself too. This is maybe from like I don't know. I'd say a week ago. Half a week. The people in Belarus are not having it. They very much want uh, to get rid of the Lukashenko. Yeah, they want. Yeah, they want to. They want the minimum. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 amazing to see. So yeah, let's play the video really quick. It's just an insane number of people. Obviously, keeping in mind this is during a global pandemic. There are some interesting things to note, though, like things that have. Um, you know, processed in this uh, uh, protest. It's take, in some ways, it has, in some ways, good, because these people are standing up, but in some ways, it has taken a bit of a nationalist turn. Like, I mean, like yeah. for instance, if you notice all these flags they have here, it's a traditional Belarusian flag that kind of harkens back to, not necessarily the USSR days, but more to, like, these strongman, you know, Belarusian nationalized I, Pre-Lukashenko, though, even though yeah. Lukashenko is that exact same thing. When you have, uh, when you have uh, leftist protests because they want actual change, it brings out the fascists. It brings out the people that want to take a nationalistic route, and they want to shroud their, they want to shroud their ideas in this larger protest. Yeah. So but obviously it's broader than that, just by how many people are out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you guys saw it, and for those only listening, the, the, the insane amount of people. Just taking up this huge area yeah. in Belarus, like, uh, like imagine, like a just like a screen, and then it being almost full, like. What a lot of Ruskies. Yeah. A lot Is there of a number Ruskies. of how many people were there, or like an estimate? No, no, I mean no, but you can only guess. I think some of them said some of them. I don't remember, but yeah, you can tell it's your best friend. <laughs> yeah, it was high, high hundreds. Either way, for a country like Belarus, I mean. Yeah, it's a massive turn. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, a protest that is yet to come, though, um, is on the seventh of September. Um, yes, we want to bring it up. The, uh, it's the protest against Julian Assange's uh, extradition. Um, they've set up a protest in front of the court in London. Um, yeah, I mean, because I believe it is that day on. September 7th, they're starting the, the first uh, day of extradition hearings where they're going to attempt to move Julian Assange from where he is now in England to the U.S. to be tortured by where Mr. He will, where, where he will die. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I mean, he's already... It will be interesting to see if they have video of the, the hearings to see how, uh, you know, what he looks like right now because mm-hmm. they haven't been treating him well there either. You know, we'll we'll definitely treat them worse, and that's the whole point of this extradition. And it's unjust and disgusting to be um, in the situation in the first place is disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're just they're trying to ship them over and execute them. Is what's trying to is what's transpiring. Yeah. Or you know, they're going to Brazil him. You know, as permanently as, lobotomize him. As soft as you think uh, our government is, our government will either torture him until he kills himself. Or will kill him directly. 
they will yeah. not treat him well. They see him as a they see him as a uh, enemy. They see him as a criminal. He is a hero, a free Julian Assange. And I truly really don't know what's going to happen to. Like I don't really know because their case for extradition seems pretty fucking weak. Because he didn't necessarily do anything in the U.S. Yeah, and didn't leak, didn't personally leak any document. You know, you know, didn't steal the documents to leak them. Mm-hmm. So really, they have no case. But when has that ever stopped anything? Exactly. Know? I mean, so I, I don't know. It comes down to the judge. They're probably going to look for a judge that sides with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can only hope for the best. The tendency is that it's not going to go well, but who knows. Yeah. Uh, You're going to say something though, Carlos? I didn't mean to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a little bit of garbage at the bottom there. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, I'll, I'll go through it real quick. So the guy says, Assange oh, shit, for oh, me shit. lost all grounds of, for support after his collusion with Russia in support of Trump in the last election. <laughs> One, uh, there's no evidence for it. So he, he really is just talking out of his ass, yeah. repeating what he's heard. You know, if, if anyone's got any evidence that Assange collude with Russia, please, please share it. Yeah, come forward but, with this, uh, this game-changing evidence. As far as, far as I've seen, there, there's none. And this has been going on for years now. We're, These are the same we're basically been... four years after, you know, this Wiki, the WikiLeaks documents came out. Yeah. On the DNC. And they've been yeah, saying, you know, it's... They've been saying Russia leaked the emails since before the emails were leaked. Yep, right. so, I mean, who who are you going to believe? Yeah. Well, it, these are the, the you know the Trump people, so it doesn't even make sense. It's the narrative they already had to begin with. Right. That's always been a confusing argument for me. The uh, the Trump is a Russian puppet thing. Well, especially in this one, because that guy probably holds both those things to be true. But it's like, how is he a Russian puppet trying to you know get? Julian Assange extradited and executed, probably. Who is also a Russian puppet? What's going on? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's another thing, like, it's always been a confusing argument because, like, that usually comes from people who literally just don't follow politics. Like, they just watch like CNN. Yeah. Like, li- like, that's what they're told. Yeah. To call Trump a Russian puppet literally makes zero sense. Trump, like, Trump has done nothing but like, uh, as like as like minimal as it's been, thank thankfully, but like. He's done nothing but like escalate tensions with uh, Russian allies. Yeah, like it, it's just such a it's a, it's such a foolish thing to be like, uh, Putin puppet Trump. It's like yeah, it, it it just comes from a place of of not knowing and regurgitating, uh, just just uh, mainstream bullshit. Oh, and, and keep in mind that uh, WikiLeaks has you know released documents on like some of the egregious stuff that the Russian military has done too. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, like it's come it's, on. it's an unfounded claim. Uh, yeah. It just continues to be spat out. Uh, continuing uh, or continuing on with bullshit. Um, we're gonna talk about we we uh, we briefly uh, brought it up, I believe, in the last show. But I um I wanted to touch on it more because uh, more information has come out. Uh, about the uh, the UAE and uh, Israel, uh, the UAE and Israel, UAE and Israel pact. This, yeah, this normalization. Yeah. So right now we have a we have a, a little tweet brought up from this article, and it says um, Palestinians have been bombed every day since the UAE the UAE Israel normalization. Every day, bombed. 
Um, so uh, this just further goes to show that it was never about um, cooling tensions. It was more about normalizing, normalizing this asymmetry of power uh, to just blow up more Arabs. Yeah, or as the UAE said, they were like, "Oh, this is you know we we helped out the Palestinians here. No suspension of new settlements." Yeah, but uh, they've been bombed every day since that. Uh, exactly. Uh, we'll slow down this. We'll we won't stop, but we'll slow down the settlements. Um, for now, in, in, in words only, we'll slow it down. We it's be, we'll, we'll slow it because we don't want to walk in there while we're bombing it right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna glass you and then build shit on top of you. Yeah. Um, can we bring up that that fair article, Carlos? Yeah. Um. So tied into this, I mean, yeah, I haven't heard, in, as far as mainstream news, shit about both the UAE-Israel deal and the fact that Gaza's just been getting fucking shelled. I mean, it's nothing new, because they get shelled all the fucking time, but... And plus, all, all the mainstream uh, media is just uh, pro the state of Israel. Not pro... Not pro the people. Not, not pro-Israelis. Not pro-Jews. Pro Jews, yeah. They are pro the Netanyahu government that is disgusting and is committing war crimes literally every day against the Palestinian people. Yeah. Here from the, the FAIR article, um, media show little interest in Israeli bombing of Gaza. Uh, Israel is bombing Palestine again, although you likely wouldn't guess that from watching TV news. For the 11th straight night, Israeli Defense Force warplanes have been bombing the densely populated Gaza Strip. Israel's bombs have caused considerable damage, forcing the shutdown of the area's only power plant. Uh, but U.S. corporate media focus on the coronavirus and electric coverage, among other stupid shit, as it doesn't mention, have shown little interest in the renewed violence in the Middle East. Searching for Gaza on the websites of NBC News, CNN, MSNBC, and PBS elicits no relevant results. Nor has Fox News addressed the bombings, although it did find time to cover the archaeological discovery of an old soap factory in Israel's Negev Desert, <laughs> which is the most fucking, like, like pro-Israel Fox News, like, yeah, that's totally a bit they would do. Well, Fox News Jews must like this, old soap factory in Israel's desert. <laughs> uh, other major news networks were not much better. In a wide-ranging interview with Trump advisor Jared Kushner, uh, CBS Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan did mention that there were hostiles overnight in Gaza. There were Israel airstrikes. Palestinian militants fired off rockets. In uh, a question about the U.S.'s role in the Middle East, uh, but did not return to it. Uh, CBS also reprinted an AFP Newswire story headline, Israel responds to fire balloons from Gaza Strip with fighter jet strikes. Um, as you as you can tell from all the uh, you know the few mentions that it does get in media, it's always oh it's Gaza's fault they did something bad. So yeah, it's, oh, uh, Israel's just retaliating. They they sent a rocket, so we had to blow up their only power plant. So, oh, <laughs> they threw rocks. So we they threw rocks, so we blew up a school bus. Yeah, we 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 took out their hospital. Oops, you know it happens. Um, that, that's all we need from that article, though. Uh, really just... quick, before we transition, I, wa- I, want, to, uh, I want to rip something from uh, the late Michael Brooks, rest in peace. But uh, really briefly, I wanted to describe uh, the uh, Israel-Palestine situation for those that are unfamiliar. 
or maybe uh, are a little confused on the topic. It's very often brought up as this um, confusing and complicated uh, topic, and it's it's not. It's the most it's, uh, it's the most simple uh, it's the most simple conflict happening currently. It is either you are in support of human, or as Michael would have said, human rights, or you are against human rights. That is it. This uh, this is a complete asymmetry of power. That's it. Period. Point and blank. And to do a quick uh, to do a quick thought experiment, which is like a like a big right wing meme. They all love to do these thought experiments. But so if you were raped, <laughs> yeah, libertarian meme. Uh, but yeah, if a uh, if a if a group of if a country group of of uh, of Arabs Muslims um, were uh, were bombing every single day a uh, a a smaller a smaller population of people if they uh, if they had them under complete surveillance twenty four seven they uh, they blocked freedom of travel freedom of movement um, no fishing no, no fishing if we buy water if you can't uh, like a complete like like complete takeaway of all rights if we saw a group of of arabs doing this to anybody else we would know exactly what to call that we would know exactly that this is disgusting and we do what we can to stop it immediately but because we have so much stake in the in the israeli government of course not the people nothing we send to the government uh, nothing we send to the Israeli government ever really helps the people. It's always for more anti-missile oh, defense, more yeah. missiles, more guns. But when, uh, but for some reason, uh, some reason, obviously not money, that we have the stake in a country, we we turn a complete, uh, complete blind eye to apartheid-like rule, and the uh, the mass killing of of innocent people, and we're doing nothing about it, and it's. We've uh, we've given we've given Israel this this special privilege to do something that nobody should be allowed to do, and it's it's disgusting. And uh, just really quick, it's not a difficult issue. You are in support of Palestine, and you're yeah you're in support of Palestine and their human rights, or you are against Palestine and their human rights. You either are for or against human rights in this situation. There is no in between. Silence is violence in this case. Um, you are one hundred percent. By being complicit in what's going on, through being quiet, you're allowing people to die. You're either with or against the Palestinian people. And then, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. We can go ahead and uh, if anybody else has anything to say, they can. But if not, we're going to go ahead and go to a break. I'll, I'll just add real quick that um, yeah. it's always funny, you know, if, whenever Israel does some kind of an attack against Gaza, it it's always framed from self-defense somehow. Yeah, always. Like Gaza, the oppressed people or the oppressed group, is somehow you know the the offensive aggressor and the actual threat to Israel. So yeah, Israel right. is is only simply acting to defend itself by doing air raids and bombing Gaza, pushing right. them back and then creating settlements on the and remember and the taken territory. Was it the Iron Dome, the Israel's defense system mm-hmm. they have? Uh, what what does Gaza have? They have nothing. They, where is their yeah. roof? Sometimes they have the rubble of their already fallen territory. The wooden roof. Yeah, wooden roof. That's what they call it. Yeah. You're right, though. That is that has from the so, beginning of Israel been their fucking their philosophy, though. 
the existence of the Palestinian people is already their very, that their very existence is a threat. Yeah, exactly. So we I must mean, exterminate them. Exactly, I and mean, that's just it's it's so hard to bring up and to compare because uh, obviously you have um, you have the Israeli government, um, which is like the uh, the Jewish Holy Land, but. Um, Stolen from the fucking Palestinians. But it's uh, it's a tough but necessary comparison to make when you have a government that is uh, threatened by merely the existence of a, another people and wanting to exterminate them. You have to make the com- you have to draw the comparisons not only to um, apartheid South Africa but to to fucking Nazi Germany. To Nazi Germany. It's it's a, like it's a very touchy yeah. thing and not a lot of people like to bring it up and they get very triggered when you bring it up. I have no problem saying Benjamin Netanyahu's but, a fucking Nazi. No, Benjamin Netanyahu is a is a Nazi. Uh, a, he is a fascist dictator, and he wants to exterminate the Palestinian people. Um, so yeah, well, uh, that was a little in a sense. Yeah, I kind of like the Israel Palestine issue only from the perspective of it exposes a lot of people. Yeah. Yes, because one yes. group has the power. You know, Gaza is not in a position to be making decisions. Israel is. Israel's making the decision. You know, yes. to expand settlements and oppress Gaza and bomb them. Yeah, yeah, that's so, completely one-sided. Yes. Yeah, the, the shadow Shang will take us through two videos and a, an article here. So fucking brace yourselves. <laughs> so um, this is. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because, you know, it's not the most important thing, but I think a lot of people could probably benefit from this message. You know, uh, Kyle Kalinske, you know, I've watched him for a long time. Anyone who follows me knows that I retweet him a lot, you know. So I hope you enjoy this little clip I got of him here. Uh, just talking about uh, some of the language we use, you know, when talking to others and, you know, talking in general online. So get into it if you can say something in two sentences instead of three paragraphs say it in two sentences don't say it in three paragraphs if you can find a way to avoid all of the new sociological leftist terminology that has become pervasive in academia by all means do it there's not a single working person who casually uses the term intersectional in conversation. They don't do it. They don't. You're kind of dating yourself if you use that. Now, AOC did not use that. I want to be clear. So I'm not taking a shot at her here. Um, but there are lefty types who love to throw that around. Now, some of the terms she used, yes, everybody knows what misogyny and homophobia is and all that stuff. Um, but like colonialism, when you throw around colonialism, there's Damn. always there's a way to make arguments that appeal to everybody, number one. But number two, even have a chance of converting people who are your enemies. And you should always be... If you're in politics, you should always be cognizant of basically trying to talk to people even who are your biggest skeptics. Because a good politician not only keeps their base happy, which they do, that's very important, but they also win over people who don't agree with them to their way of thinking. And the way the left functions today, it's decidedly the opposite of that. There is a very big problem with lefties being insular and not realizing that, like, oh, this is why you never get anywhere. This is why, 
you know, even though the American people agree with us on almost every issue, we don't have nearly enough people in Washington, D.C. Now, yes, a lot of that is corruption. A lot of that is big money. A lot of that is a timing issue. We haven't been organized for long enough to really make a good run at it. But there are also very clear problems in terms of our lingo, how we approach these things. And I, I really want to fix that. So instead of talking about we need to redress the grievances of the legacy of colonialism, here's what you say. End every single offensive war that we're engaged in. That's it. Get out of Iraq. Get out of Afghanistan. Stop drone bombing innocent people. That's what you say. Now, guess what? We just said the same thing. End colonialism. End the, war, end the offensive wars where we're killing civilians. We just said the same thing. One of those things is going to get 75% of people to agree to it. The other one is going to get 42%. Why on earth would you pick the thing that gets you 42% approval? There's only one reason to do it. The in-group signaling to other lefties. I'm with you. Are you with me? Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally, I'm, I'm going to use our, I'm going to use our internal lingo. You ready for me to use our internal lingo? Okay, totally use that internal lingo. It's so great when you do that. <laughs> for the love of God, we yeah, got to win. In order to win, you have to connect with regular people. In order to connect with regular people, you have to, you have to almost rise above the cultural bullshit that's so pervasive in today's day and age. And I know it's tough to make the arguments of like, you got to be better than that because there's people on the Republican side are not better than that. But if you really want to win, you pick your battles and you should pick your battle. You should always lead with the things that people already agree with you on and frame it in a way that make them agree with you even more. Politics is not yeah. rocket science, guys. Yeah. It's not. And so... Listen, I don't want to. I don't think Jonathan Chait is making a great point because this isn't like she was throwing around intersectional or, or other terms that are. Well, Jonathan Chait's also the guy that bubble. sold the Iraq um, war to us. Yeah. There is a broader point to be made here about how the left almost handicaps itself to make sure that we never appeal to a broader audience. And I really do want to change that. I really do want to fix that. And I think the solutions are really simple. You know, if the left were to go all in on Medicare for all, living wage, ending the wars, frame these things in a way that highlights the populist in populist progressive, you're going to get such a crushing governing majority and you're going to have the overwhelming support of everybody that, you know, you're basically... <laughs> you get to a point where they can't even straw man you successfully. And unfortunately, I think oftentimes lefties kind of casually walk on minefields and give their enemies so much help. So much help. Again, you should craft arguments in a way that would even appeal, that will hold your base for sure, but also appeal to those who are skeptical of you. And I basically see the opposite on the left nowadays. And I really hope we can get past it, man. I really do. Don't be afraid to talk like a normal freaking person. Be as normie as you can possibly be. Because you know what? Most people are normies. So if you want to... If, if, now listen, if your whole thing about politics is... No, I don't, I don't care about the actual end goals of ending the wars and giving people a living wage and getting health care... 
if you're not in it for that, fine. Then who am I to tell you not to, you know, act how you're acting and not to be? Okay, I think we can get the point. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, th I think uh, what he's saying is super true. Like, um, especially... Like, the said earlier was perfect. Yeah, it's just the Demo... Uh, the left, but most importantly, uh, the left party in America, the Democratic Party, is the like literal worst at at uh, at at getting support from their base. Like they are just the most flip flop, wish wash, like pack of losers ever. Republicans know exactly what to do. They harp on white identity politics to secure their base they talk about uh they talk about states rights and no abortion for social security is devil they're fucking guns the radical the radical left want to the radical left the democrats are controlled by fucking marxists they eat children they want to take your guns second amendment they guns. they want to turn us all into snowflakes with blue hair. They, they don't want us. They don't want us, They don't want us to say the n word anymore. I remember how a flexible a four hundred one k is. You know how how fast that could be. You know said goodbye to. Yep. As we all witnessed during you know the the crash that happened pretty much yep. recently. One trip to the four hundred one k is That's the last thing I'd be begging for. You know, yeah. give me my cash fucking bailout and go away. Yeah. It's just, it, it's important uh, to watch. As, as a leftist or uh, anyone into politics, uh, being able to hold true to your base and uh, get your point across without using, um, like, nerd words. Don't use fucking, don't use, if you... Uh, trying to exclude people. Yeah, talking talk the layman, that's something that's super important. Uh, you'll reach more people. You don't have to talk... Uh, at the PhD level, to, and you can't, to you can't when you're to, but you don't have to when you're talking to certain groups of people. Like if I want to pitch Medicare for all in uh, rural Louisiana, I'm not going to use huge words. Simplify gonna, it. Yeah. yeah, you have to be able to. You have to be able to talk to anybody. Yet you, you, you should be able to talk at a uh, a high level, get into the like the dirty gritty itty gritty details of it, but also be able to just. You be able, yeah. be, also be uh, like be able to also just be like, oh well, I think this is good because of this, and it's bad because of this, and uh, you know, if you look at the polls, you know, uh, most of most like Americans agree with me, you know, like Medicare for all, even fifty two percent of Republicans agree that we should have yeah. uh, single payer health care, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. They look at the you you, you feed them slowly the details, you you slowly propagandize them. <laughs> If you give oh, it yeah, to like, it once, it's too big of a bite. You know, people's mouths are only so big. Like, further from Kyle's point, I guess, is you can still use the word colonialism, and it still has a purpose, but you need to know, I guess from the political you know, aspect, you need to know who you're talking to, what you're bringing up. Getting to, if it's not serving the purpose... Yeah, that's yeah. what's most important. And a, and a point you brought up, Jake, and actually, the, the guy on the screen that... Uh, Oh, Jonathan Chapel. Jonathan Chait. No, yeah, but um, it like uh, he's kind of like a good example of like the message he was like uh, what Kyle was talking about. He he could he lied us into a war, but he conveyed it so well that we let it happen. Yeah. He, Although, yeah, like, to to be fair though, his his lying methods were different. He was 
He was I definitely mean, the uh, aluminum tube variety. Oh no, yeah, like yeah, I'm not just going. Yeah, he's a terrible human, but he uh, he fed his base and he. Yeah, but not with sim- not with simple things though. It was very you know overly complicated. You know, some aluminum tubes that Saddam has. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. with the help, of, with, an interesting character. With the with the help of both political parties and the media, it's oh, yeah, very absolutely. it's very easy to spoon feed that. But you know, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we have to we have to work with them. We have to work on our messaging. That's yeah. Less. If the, the double party, video if the two parties are agreeing on something is like the definite, mm-hmm. like undisputable truth, I would be most questionable of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the last thing I should be. Uh, when the two parties come together on something. Both doubtful of something, I'd say, you know, maybe there's some merit. <laughs> Healthcare. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, across. Double whammy for us, you. Go ahead and talk. Talk to yeah, uh, I don't mean to kind of shoehorn it into the conversation, but we're kind of running out of time, so I'm just gonna get right into it. Uh, the Richard Wolf segment for the week. Uh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna explain our national debt in hopefully a bit better detail. You know, give you a good understanding. It's gonna use less insular words. To explain yeah. that. And the way to understand it is this: divide the population into two parts. Corporations, bigger ones, and rich people, 5-10% of the richest people. That's one group, and everybody else is the rest. All the mass of people and little businesses. They're the male. They both look at the government, and they have the exact same demands. Each of the two groups wants the government to do things for them. And each of the two groups doesn't want to pay the taxes to pay for what they want the government to do for them. Corporations want all the benefits of, of a highway system and of... Uh, controlling the world economy to make it advantageous for them to function. They want the government to do all these expensive things, buy lots of stuff from these companies and all the rest, Uh, military-industrial complex, uh, medical-industrial complex, all of that. Meanwhile, the mass of people, they want loans for their kids to go to school, they want swimming pools in the neighborhood, they want the national parks to be clean and nice, blah, 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 public schools and all the rest. Well, you know, you don't need an advanced degree, you really don't, to understand that if the two sides want the government to do everything possible for them, and neither of them wants to pay taxes to pay for it, then the government is going to have a problem. Right? This is a problem. How has the political structure of our capitalist economy, and I don't mean just the United States, this is true everywhere, how do they solve the problem? Well, they solve the problem in the obvious way. The minute I tell you, you'd see, oh, yeah, of course. If you were a politician and you had to keep delivering the things to the people who didn't want to pay for them, what are you going to do? The answer is borrow the money. By borrowing, you solve the problem. When you borrow the money, you can produce all the things the corporations want, the rich people want, and the masses want. And you don't have to raise the taxes on anybody to pay for it. That's what the people want. That's what we'll give them. So the politicians borrow. And who do they borrow from to pull this wonderful thing off? Well, you can't really borrow from the mass of people for a very simple reason. They don't have anything. So if you're going to borrow, you have to borrow from the corporations and the rich. Well, they have it. So for the corporation and the rich, they look at this situation they hire an economist if they're not smart enough to figure it out themselves. And the economist, someone like me, explains to them, well, you rich people and corporations, here's your basic choice. If you want this society to keep going, either 
you pay the taxes which will allow the government to do all the things for everybody that's wanted here and so our society will continue or you don't pay the taxes but if you don't pay the taxes you put the politicians in an impossible situation but don't despair because there's a solution you don't have to pay the taxes because you know what you can do instead you lend it to the government that's how we solve the problem the rich and the corporations don't pay the taxes puts the government in the jam and the government gets out of the jam by going to the rich and the corporations not taxing them which would have gotten the money taking care of the problem and left the government with no debt no 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 we don't do that instead we go to the exact same people borrow the money from them so the government can do the same thing but is stuck with a perpetual overwhelming debt that freaks everybody out is this a necessary way to solve the problem no is it a rational way to solve the problem no this is a way to solve the problem that panders to corporations and the rich it basically says to them you have the money that the government needs to keep this society going but you don't want to part with it and so we are here to tell you you don't have to we'll borrow it from you we'll pay it all back and pay you an interest for being so kind you lovely people <laughs> Don't you love that people. is to have that go on for 25 years and suddenly rich people say you know something we're not willing to lend anymore because you're such you're so deeply in debt we're not sure you know, we're not sure you're going to be able to pay and so we're not going to we're not yeah, no more lending no 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 you can't we're not going to give you the money we're not going to give it to you in taxes no 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 we never did no 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 to you anymore either so you're up against it politician and you know what you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to stop providing goods and services to the mass of people that's called austerity and that's what we got that's what we got the end game of this absurdity okay the last course the United States yeah Both. There's not enough rich people in the United States with enough money willing to lend it to the United States government. They're willing to lend a good chunk, but the rest of it they want to make more than they can by lending to the United States government. And so they look for other governments, and they're particularly interested in um, leaving the United States vulnerable to the difficulty that if you have to borrow huge amounts of money, which the United States government does, and you can't get it from your own rich, you can't get enough from your own rich and corporations, then you go to China and you go to Japan. Those are the two major countries that we've gone to. But it's not either or, it's, it's both. So, yeah. so hopefully that uh, gives you a good idea of kind of how the government got itself into this, uh, what, 20, 25, 26, something like yeah, that, trillion yeah. dollar debt? Yeah. Such a, such a and who, who, who we're indebted to, truly.
So it, it's truly as unnecessary as it's as it sounds like. Right. Yeah, completely unnecessary. So the money is there. It's just not going where it needs to go. And we're and too scared to take people it. are not only, you know, giving it us giving it to the programs that, you know, we need by saying, well, we're gonna let you borrow it. And but also simply, now. yeah. Put it, you know, with a progressive, you know, marginal tax rate, keep in mind everyone where they currently are, you know, on the economic scale, you know, say from the bottom to the top, that order would not change at all. It would yeah. still be the same. It just would not be as, you know, disparaging. The, the top the is less grotesque. Yeah. Imagine being so cucked by rich Bezos people. would still be the richest man in the world or, you know, richest man in America, you know, not including... Just less so. Yeah. Not yeah. including the Saudi wealth. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy how cucked we are. Like... Imagine being a government, you create the currency, you create everything, and then a couple people, like imagine suckling, sucking capitalism so much that like a couple people abuse the system and make a shit ton of money, uh, and then you just, uh, in this forever just cuckold cycle of, oh, yeah, you kind of made all this, like you kind of like made all of our money, but I guess you're rich, so, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll borrow it from you. Yeah, we'll borrow it from you and then pay interest on it because we love you. We're, we, uh, well, go ahead and just keep fucking up this country. It's okay. We're not going to do well, anything to be fair, if you're a politician, you know, you've seen what happened to, like, FDR when he tried, you know, just appeasing the socialists and the communists. They immediately tried to coup him. And yeah. They, and and they then they purged anything. the communists. Yeah, then they, then they purged yeah, that the was his, Yeah, that was his first term. Yeah. 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 Unreal. Right, so, uh, Do you want to bring up the, uh, the Greens article? Yeah, I got one more here for everyone. Uh, we all know how horrible the two parties are. So a lot of people ask, you know, what are what are our choices then? I'm sure a lot of you have heard, you know, Green Party and Libertarian Party. You know, the Libertarians are kind of a, a branch of the right and the Greens are like a branch of the left. Well... The Green Party, uh, you know, starting to gain some traction, you know, because more people are starting to turn away from the two big parties. And uh, so the Democrats uh, had to get to work. Uh, so here's the title. Uh, Texas Democrats are successfully suing to kick Green Party candidates off the November ballot. Democrats won legal rulings Wednesday blocking Green Party nominees for U.S. Senate Railroad Commissioner and the 21st Congressional District from appearing on the November ballot. State and national Democrats are waging a legal offensive to kick Green Party candidates off the ballot in some of Texas's highest profile races this fall, and they are seeing success. On Wednesday, both a Travis County judge Travis County District Judge and a state appeals court blocked the Green Party nominees for U.S. Senate and 21st Congressional District from appearing on the ballot. The Austin-based Third Court of Appeals additionally forced the Green Party nominee for Railroad Commissioner off the ballot. So um, it kind of goes on for a bit here, but I'll kind of summarize since we're about to hit two hours. The Green Party... um, did have a fault 
they did not pay a tax or a, fee, <laughs> a filing fee that it says here. The Green Party argues that the filing fees, which go up to $5,000 for a U.S. Senate race, are an unconstitutional burden. It has also pointed out that the fees normally go towards primaries, something neither the Green nor Libertarian parties conduct because both nominate their candidates at conventions. Only two of the Green Party's eight nominees for the no for November have submitted the fees, according to the Secretary of State. So more or less, they're doing this as a protest. You know, the Democrats, you know, having power passed you know, additional laws, you know, saying that they have to go through these filing fees, you know, that $5,000, like, come on. Well, if you're a Democrat, you have plenty of you know, corporate clearly, security. You know, yeah, they're under the assumption yeah, that you're already going to a corporation, you know, for your funding. So you must obviously have this money. Yep. So it just well, bars any kind of... Yeah. It, it discourages people from even trying, you know, is the point. Yeah. But so the Green Party is taking a stand here, you know, and not paying the fees right. you know, to try to get people to, you know, realize how pointless they are. I mean, and they quite but literally don't need to pay them. The Democrats, you know, having power are now appealing, you know, to this, a lot of the same judges, you know, that they appoint who now agree with them. <laughs> you know, that, yes, it, it is only fair that these third parties must also pay these fees. The Court of Appeals has never done anything bad, though. We uh, covered not thirty minutes ago. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of let people know about this, you know. And yeah, actual democracy being oppressed. Yeah, that's why it's important, you know. If you ever see a Green Party candidate or you know any third party candidate on the ballot, I definitely recommend looking into whoever they are and just checking them out. Yeah, even I like, guarantee they have a more interesting platform than what the two big parties are offering. And usually yeah. they really mean what they say instead of uh, platitudes, regardless of if you agree with them. Like a libertarian candidate, uh, what is it, fucking Joanne Joe Bergerson or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like, uh, I may disagree with her on a lot of stuff. There is also some common ground. I, like, I liked Gary Johnson. He was funny. Was like, he, would, he would forget Aleppo and have heart attacks and shit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, that was a great article, though. Let's let's bring up this. Uh, I guess some positive news, and you know, we've obviously seen the African American community get fucking washed the last in our you know the news recently. But maybe a positive story would be um, nice. So we have this here: um, the most important black radical you've never heard of, uh, Hubert Harrison. I love the name Hubert, by the way. It's an amazing <laughs> name. Uh, Hubert Harrison was one of the first black socialists in the United States. A fierce champion of racial equality and a pioneering analyst of how capitalists use racism to divide the working class, he deserves to be remembered. You can see he's pictured there sitting in the, the bottom left with other uh, IWW um, leaders. Uh, Hubert Henry Harrison is the most important black, black radical you've never heard of. While other leading figures in the black freedom movement, from W.E. Du Bois to Ella Baker to Malcolm X, have been honored with everything from street names to postage stamps, Harrison remains in the shadows, largely unknown except as specialists in black history. In his day, however, Harrison was a figure who stood alongside giants like Marcus Garvey, Ida B. Wells, and A. Philip Randolph. 
Harrison was one of the earliest black socialists in the United States. In his time in the Socialist Party, back when, you know, the Socialist Party had some power, <laughs> uh, Harrison developed an analysis of, of how capitalism produces racial inequality and pressed the labor movement directly confront, to confront that uh, inequality. A supporter of the party's radical left wing, Harrison was pushed out during factional struggles before World War I. He went on to form his own newspaper and led the black radical upsurge in Harlem that followed the war. Throughout his brief life, Harrison insisted on linking the fight against racial oppression with the fight against capitalism. His life work is a vital resource for radicals today attempting to join those two struggles. Um, just a little bit on his life here. Uh, Harrison was born in St. Croix, a small uh, Caribbean island, in 1883. Uh, by the age of seven, he was working as a domestic servant. When his mother died in 1898, Harrison immigrated to New York, finishing high school there and taking a job in the post office. He quickly established him, himself as an intellectual leader, organizing political discussion groups among his coworkers and throwing himself in a New York's vibrant scene of street lectures and debates. A fierce advocate for racial equality, Harrison soon ran afoul of the most important black political figure of his generation, the accommodationist Booker T. Washington, someone who they, uh, I remember in my elementary school, they, they made us read about and praised a lot of Booker T. Washington. Uh, Harrison had written a letter to the New York Sun in response to Washington's recent contention that, this is horrible, the southern states of the Union offer the Negro a better chance than almost any other country in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in his reply, Harrison excorated Washington for his silence about the outrages of American racism and accused him of holding his position as race leader by grace of the white people who elect colored people's leaders for them. <laughs> He called you an Uncle Tom, bro. <laughs> uh, Washington never deigned to respond to Harrison in print, but instead replied with action, using his position as a distributor of patronage jobs to black Americans as part of the Republican Party machine. Washington had Harrison fired from the post office. This is a Washington, an American hero, you know, Booker T. Washington, American hero. Uh, yet if Washington's intent was to silence Harrison, his plan failed miserably. Less than a month after losing his position, Harrison found work again, this time as a lecturer and organizer for the Socialist Party. Uh, reading from the last sentence of the next paragraph, uh, the party was less successful organizing black workers, uh, despite considerable debate since its founding over the race question. Harrison's task was to change that. Brought on as an organizer in the middle of the 1911 municipal campaign, the young intellectual's remit was to help the party build support among black voters. He proved extremely effective, pioneering the use of the socialist campaign materials directed at black Americans. When the results came in, the party's to vote total had jumped by 6,000 since the last contest, driven in part by an increase in support among black voters. The party, clearly impressed with Harrison's acumen, hired him as a full-time speaker and organizer for the purpose of establishing a nucleus of an organization among the colored people. So yeah, it's really important. Uh, I didn't know until I had read this article, I didn't know about Hubert Harrison. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just funny, the, uh, the people we do know, like Booker T. Washington, you know, these people that have you know, been pushed in our schools, but people like this that get lost to the, uh, yeah. the onslaught of history.
So let's let's not forget him. Um, what, and the, the many other um, socialists, both you know, black, white, and you know, other other races that did early work here in the the uh, early twentieth century. Mm-hmm. You know, laying, laying the, although most of it was destroyed, I'm at least attempting to lay the groundwork for uh, socialist movements. Definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to... Is it yeah. Q time? I think in this Q time. Q's up, boys. Uh, now we can have a little fun. <laughs> now we can have fun. Um, so Trump is uh, signaling to the cures that he's on their side. Do you believe me? This is scary. Because the insane. Q movement is growing. They're growing. And it's the next step in Protestant Christianity. It's just... Everyone is bad. They're eating babies. Except Trump. Because he's saving us from the baby eaters. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. But I don't so it's know good. about the movement. Uh, I have heard that it is gaining in popularity and from what i've hear it's these are people that when they watch the streets of portland when they watch what happened in new york city in just the last six or seven months but this was starting even four years ago when i came here almost four years can you believe it uh these are people that don't like seeing what's going on in places like portland and places like chicago and new york and other cities it's almost like the cues are racist and uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard these are people that love our country, and they just choose only black people. Interesting. So I don't know really anything about it other than they do supposedly like me, and they also would like to see problems like he doesn't in eat. these areas. It's like, like he doesn't even know why. Areas that we're talking <laughs> about go away because there's no reason the Democrats can't run a city, and if they can't, we will send in all of the federal whether it's troops or law enforcement, whatever they'd like, we'll send them in, we'll straighten out their problem in 24 hours or less. Okay? If, the Democrats <laughs> yeah. can, if the Democrats can shut the blacks up, we will. You are secretly saving Which isn't true, because Trump has sent the National Guard out multiple uh, times. And, so and they didn't do campus. shit. Does that sound like yep. something Get rolled, you bitch. are behind? Well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? <laughs> If, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. If I I'm can stop the evil Democrats from eating babies, why wouldn't I'm I? I'm definitely, I'm definitely not doing anything with the babies. Believe me. Yeah. I'm not me, eating it, Karina I'm not this eating the babies. I'm just fucking them. Is gone. <laughs> the rest That's of the ice cream. Never had it. <laughs> I've heard it's delicious, though. Of this country, and when you look at baby flavor, some of the things that these people are saying with uh, defund the police and no borders open <laughs> no borders no, no borders no testing yeah i remember when black lives matter was like hey no borders uh, oh, i mean they are a marxist organization funded by george soros is now going to be next so i mean miles long uh, our numbers are extraordinary that looks like the white power symbol, but okay. I mean, same thing. Fuck it. No difference. They're melting. I like how he said the no testing, like it was a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
We need strength in our country, not weakness. <laughs> we need energy. That's we need why we strength. Need, we need synergy. Trump classic. We need strength. We need energy. Bing, bing, bong. But most of all, we need strategy. Uh, yeah, so the queue. I, I honestly see a future where the queues uh, get bigger. And it gets I mean, we already, we already have a key running for Congress who won their primary. Yeah. Yeah. And not even as much like queues taking power, but like just queues being, you know. Gaining some sort of legitimacy. Yeah, feeling justified. Oh, Trump actually is stopping them. It's time to go out and shoot George Soros, you know. And really quickly. Really quickly. I mean, I'd like to stop um, the pedophiles too. Yeah. Except That's Trump. not. Uh, yeah, Those yeah. who, like, I mean, everybody's against the pedophilia rings, but um, don't think just because the cues are against that, that they, they're right, that they're right, or especially, sane. especially in the, re- yeah, same. They're literally, um, what the Q movement is, it's a huge red pilling thing. First things first, when you watch most of these QAnon videos that like introduce you to Pizzagate, it does like a lot of red pilling. It's going to tell you that. Uh, George Soros funds like the immigrant caravans and et cetera, et cetera. That the only, oh, it's only the Democrats and fucking, yeah, it's just, it's just red pilling. It's things to make you agree with conservative ideas. It is the next guys in Protestant Christianity. The Democrats are pumping immigrants into this country directly. So they can, so they can uphold their Marxist, secret Marxist ideas. Yes. Everybody immigrants have always come to this country. Not a cue. Everybody who doesn't believe that JFK didn't die and he's a time traveler is yeah. uh, fucking kids and eating the eating babies and drinking adrenochrome. So well, it's very important. Sense, it's just Trump is God. Yes, Trump is literally sent by God. Their 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 lives are so shit that they're using Trump as like, oh well, Trump is gonna stop all the all these problems in my life, including the secret pedophilia ring. Trump is gonna stop it. And that's not to deny legitimacy to the secret pedophilia ring. Uh, Epstein or, and what? Yeah, Epstein. Yep. Yeah, real pedophilia ring or the real material, you know, conditions of people. Yeah, exactly. They they think that Trump is gonna is gonna is gonna fix their shitty lives when they're not looking at it because you're from like from birth you you're just fed. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You're you're just fed this like, well, things are shitty, but it's just human nature. People agree instead of looking at the material conditions and the policies that have brought you to where you are today. Instead of looking at, say, you're living in somewhere in middle America and uh, you're getting the federal minimum wage, instead of looking at it like, oh, wages have been stagnant since the 70s, even though productivity has gone up 20 to 30 percent, even though our wages haven't been tied to inflation, well, it can't just be because we aren't raising the minimum wage. It has to be because, uh, you know, the government, big government bad. What? Big government won't give me more money. Instead of looking at it like, oh, well, the politicians are corrupted by the big corporations that you suck off, and then nothing gets done because the corporations want to make the money. Yeah. I guess on, on war, we'll, we'll have a little laughy. A little la- I've been listening to a, a podcast recently on the Iraq war, so the Iraq war has been on my brain quite a bit, too. It's, uh, you said it's called Blowback, right? Yeah, check out Blowback. Blowback is raw. Um, but I brought up this Bill Hicks um, stand-up that we can, you know, play to, to outro here. And it, it's a little on Iraq, 
or it's actually on the Gulf War and uh, some other you know tidbits on war, etc. So yeah, we had this uh, big war thing happen. I don't know if you caught any of that, but uh, it was a very stressful time for me. The war. I'll tell you why. I was in the unenviable position of being for the war, but against the troops. <laughs> and uh, not the most popular stance I've ever taken on an issue, I must say. I don't, I don't choose wisely always, and yet I'm committed. So, first of all, this needs to be said. There never was a war. How can you say that, Bill? Well, a war is when two armies are fighting. <laughs> so you see, right there, I think. <laughs> We can all agree that it wasn't exactly a war. <laughs> and Bush, President Bush, a complete surprise, he turned into a demon man. When he was first president, they called him the wimp president. I mean, this was the cover of Newsweek. Something they do to Trump now. Wimp yeah. president. Weak. Apparently, this stuck in this guy's craw. This guy turned into a fucking demon man. We surrender. Not good enough. <laughs> we run away. <laughs> too little, too late. <laughs> way too much fun. <laughs> Those guys were in hog heaven out there. You understand, man? They had a big weapons catalog opened up. What's G12 do, Tommy? Well, it says here it destroys everything but the fillings in their teeth. <laughs> Helps us pay for the war effort. Well, shit, pull that one up. Pull up G12, please. Cool. What's G13 doing? <laughs> <laughs> for all occasions. And everyone got excited about the technology, and I guess it was pretty incredible watching a missile fly down an air vent. Pretty unbelievable. But couldn't we feasibly use that same technology to shoot food at hungry people? <laughs> you know what I mean? Fly over Ethiopia. There's a guy that needs a banana. <laughs> 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 Freedom! <laughs> the stealth banana. Smart fruit. And I watched the Iraqi technology. Man, I've never felt so good about myself. I look at fucking bell bottoms in my closet and go, that ain't that fucking bad, man. <laughs> What was the technology they were buying? Where do they, are they still, are those available still now? Or where do they, they could get harder shit off the streets of New York right now, man. Don't you think one of the key prerequisites of a weapon system is, I don't know, the ability to aim the fucking thing? Or is that, am I, was it, I don't know a lot about the military, and yet I feel that would be key. What was the scud? It was like launching a station wagon at people, man. Some Buick flying through the air, some Iraqi driving. Allah! Watch out, here come one of them Buick Scuds. Watch out, watch out, up oh, in the ocean. Those things are so hard to steer.
I guess the most amazing thing about the war, obviously the disparity in the casualties. Iraq, 150,000 casualties. USA, 79. <laughs> Let's go through those numbers again. Um, they're a little baffling at first glance. Iraq, 150,000. USA, 79. 79. 79. Does that mean if we had sent over 80 guys, we still would have won that fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> Just one guy in a ticker tape parade. I did it. Hey. Once again, though, I was watching the CNN, man, that blew it all. Man, all the anxiety. Remember how it started? They kept talking about the elite Republican guard and these hushed tones. Remember that? Like they had the bogeyman, you know? Yeah, we're doing well, but we have yet to face the elite Republican guard. Yeah, like these guys are 10 feet tall, desert warriors. Never lost a battle. We shit bullets. Well, after two and a half months of continuous carpet bombing and not one reaction at all from these fuckers, they became simply the Republican Guard. <laughs> nearly as elite as we may have led you to believe. And after another month of continuous bombing and not one reaction at all, they went from the elite Republican Guard to the Republican Guard to the Republicans made this shit up about there being guards. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed your fireworks show. People said, uh-uh, Bill, Iraq had the fourth largest army in the world. Yeah, well, maybe, but you know what? After the first three largest armies, there's a real big fucking drop-off, okay? <laughs> the Harry Krishnas are the fifth largest army in the world. <laughs> and they've already got our airports. So, who is the greater threat? People have bugged me in the States. People said, hey, war made us feel better about ourselves. Who are these people with such low self-esteem? They need a war to feel better about themselves. I saw them on the news waving their flags. Could I recommend instead of a war to feel better about yourself, perhaps? Sit-ups? <laughs> Maybe a fruit cup? Six to eight glasses of water a day. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just recommending perhaps a better way to feel better about yourself. And we can avoid a conflagration. <laughs> Merely a suggestion. Now you get this. I'm down south recently. I'm playing a town called Fife, Alabama. All right? And it's right outside. We can, we can end it there for I think he, he moves on from the, the war subject here. But yeah, I thought that was, was funny and yeah Rolled in my brain somehow mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys want to get on yeah. out of here but yeah let's let, let's let the people go thank you guys yeah, for sticking with us for over two hours thank you guys we appreciate it uh, for the watching on youtube we definitely appreciate you too and that's yeah. why we're we want to see the show through yeah we're gonna keep we're gonna keep grinding uh, we hope you guys keep supporting we appreciate it all. 
all the YouTube. Once we make our money, money, we'll forget you though. So. Yeah, yeah. Once YouTube, uh, we're gonna chat. we're gonna use you guys to make money, and once we make our money, y'all are gone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys again so much for your temporary support. Just kidding. Thank you guys. We really appreciate it though. Uh, we're gonna let you guys go. Appreciate you guys. Workers of the world unite, and let's get out of here.